What do we mean when we talk about world building? How can we make the act of creating a world less overwhelming? And are there any tools that can help us? Hello, hello! My name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering your lost hobby with roleplaying games. A couple of weeks ago, I discovered a wonderful set of tools designed to help me build a world for roleplay. Because it was so awesome, I decided not to use the free option, but instead to sign up as a paying customer. I got a load of extra perks, most importantly, the ability to make my work private, and set about exploring the tools. On the same day, I got a lovely thank you note from the authors of the website and an invitation to ask them anything. I asked if they'd like to come on my podcast and talk about world building and their awesome set of tools. So here we are. This is Season 3, Episode 6. Janet Forbes is the director of World Anvil, a purveyor of world-building advice, a singer, writer of novels, and worshipper of cats, I'm told. Uh, based in London, England, Janet and her husband, Demetrius, lead a small team in the development of an online set of tools specifically designed for world-building. She is the face of World Anvil on YouTube, where she presents an excellent series of tutorials and advice on, well, you guessed it, building worlds. Welcome, Janet, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Can I ask, when you're role-playing, what do you prefer, player or GM? Oh, player, because I just, I love that. I love that in-character feeling. So as a writer as well, it's something that I really enjoy. I do like being the GM. I have GM'd a few times, but playing is where it's at for me. Okay. Is there any particular reason and any particular appeal of being a player over GM? Yeah, uh, the, there, there are a few things that really appeal to me about being a player. The one is that sense of camaraderie around the table. Um, right. So you feel like you're part of a team, which I really, really love. And you get this amazing social dynamic. I often feel, and I have a background in teaching, so I often feel like when I'm the GM, I'm the teacher. And I have to keep the, the children in check, um, <laughs> and, like keep the ball rolling. And when I'm a player, I'm that kid on the back row that just is messing around with their friends and having a great time. The one I normally give detention to. That's Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, what do you most enjoy about role-playing games? I love the creativity of it. I just, I find it so freeing. I find it so fascinating. I often play characters that are like me, but different from me. So they have one aspect of my own character and then a lot of sort of other things that are fun to explore. So yeah. I, I guess that means I treat it as therapy, cheap therapy, uh, which is fine, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, but I love I love the fun. I love the creativity. I love the telling stories from the first person. I'm a, as I mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a writer as well. So I always do these massive journal write-ups at the end of every session uh, and through that, I, I get a lot of character development going. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, that's it. That's that's why I love it, you know. Okay. So kind of a form of therapy. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, uh, one, of, one of the things we've been talking about on the show recently, actually, is the idea that role-playing offers us a sort of genuine escape, but in a really positive way. Yeah. Um, you know, getting away from sort of, I don't know, self-suppression and more like a self-expansion thing. I think that's the technical term. What do you make of that idea? 
I think it's bang on, honestly. Um, mm. As I say, I like to play characters that are like me, but different. Um, and I think absolutely being able to drop the facade of everyday life, being able to escape into a fantastical world, whatever mm. world that is, whatever genre you're playing, and really just live, go crazy, do things you would never consider doing in, <laughs> in the real world. Do you have a favourite genre? I am a historical fantasy girl. Um, I come from a, a family of archaeologists. So oh, wow. my, my heart is in the past. My degree is in historical music. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of historical fantasy for that reason. Wow. Any particular periods or? Uh, whatever I can get. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mine would be, I guess, the ancient period. I, I, you know, I, I'd immerse myself in Greece and Rome. Mm. Um, there you go. <laughs> Now, it's a BJ podcast, so I can't say what I think about that. <laughs> okay. We're going to play like that, are we? <laughs> what do you think is the biggest barrier to getting a game then for you? I think, um, for me, it's time, personally. Mm. It's just fitting it in. And um, as you as you mentioned when you introduced me, I'm a writer, I'm a singer, I run World Anvil, I make world building videos, I I do so many things. And simply finding the time to sit down is really tough and finding the time to plan a game and finding, finding the people mm. to do it, which also takes time. Uh, there are a lot of really great tools out there for that now and things that really speed things up, which I think is fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is tough. And I think... You know, when we were kids, we didn't have that problem. You know, I started role playing when I was 11 uh, at an after school club. It was amazing. It was super fun. But I, you know, when I was 11, I didn't have to think about, you know, doing the finances for my company and sorting out sponsorships for upcoming competitions and this kind of stuff. I was 11. Yeah. You know, I could just go and have fun. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it's it's tricky as adults to find the time, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it's about priorities, I suppose. And the thing that always worries me is that I feel like people don't prioritise play quite highly enough. But I wonder if I'm just a little bit too pushy about it. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's also a, a path of least resistance where, mm. you know, it is easier just to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. It's not as fun, but it's certainly easier from a you know an organisational point of view. And yeah. I think for a lot of us, it's like, oh, I could organize the game and I could message the players and I could get everything set up. And it just feels slightly like it's something that I have to do to get to the fun bit. Or I could sit and watch Netflix. So it's that in instant gratification monkey thing. Mm. And is that why perhaps in some ways you like being a player because you can just drop into someone's game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's very much on my terms. You know, I, I can I can sit for two hours and write extensive journals if I want to but if I don't have time I don't have to do that uh yeah. that's one of so yeah absolutely yeah do you have a, a worst moment a dark moment in your role-playing hobby I'm not sure I fully understand the question okay so the worst I always go for the dark things um various people I talk to them and and there's always a little story somewhere in the past that is something that perhaps they felt wasn't the best moment in their gaming um and from that we sometimes I don't know we find some learning and I just wondered do you have any such memories or um I'm trying to think I 
Not really. I mean, my gaming experiences have always been super positive, but that I guess that means wow. that, that the dark mode is in my future. So now I'm worried. <laughs> okay. I will say, oh, actually, no, I do. I will say I, I do have a dark moment and okay. it happened very recently. Okay. Uh, this Saturday, that's Saturday the 25th of May, yeah. um, which maybe after this goes live, I am going live for my first ever D&D stream on the Wizards of the Coast channel. Well, this is going to be fun. I am terrified. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to lay that out right here. I love role-playing. I'm a trained actress. I'm a trained opera singer. I am really scared about this, people. Um, and in <laughs> session zero, like I, I did the session zero and all the other players are so good. And I just sat there like, I'm in the wrong place. I'm not good enough to do this. Why the hell am I here? Why the hell did somebody ask me to do this? And like, I know the reasons why. I'm a good role player. You know, I'm allowed to say that. I've I've earned my stripes. Um, but yeah, the the self doubt of that, the self doubt involved in that, and the um, I guess the imposter syndrome in a way that would be my dark night for the soul for gaming. Yeah, I, and I have yet to meet a gamer, especially a games master, but certainly gamers generally, who hasn't got that problem. Mm. He doesn't sit at some group somewhere and think, you know, when are they going to figure out I'm rubbish at this? Yeah. Um, and the weirdest thing is that I don't ever remember anyone being that bothered if anyone was that bad. At, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. as long as you're not like a complete dick, I think most people were fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, as long as you're socialized around the table, like you know when to let mm. other people talk, you know when to step back, you know when to do something, you know, then then it's fine. Everybody's there in a positive attitude to enjoy themselves. Mm. Nobody, it, it, it's the nice thing about D&D. It's the nice thing about tabletop RPGs. You can't win. So, so no, it's not competitive. Where did you start in your gaming? You said you were 11. What system or what campaign? Yeah, so or? I couldn't tell you the grit. Um, I guess it must have been second edition. Okay. I am now 30. So um, it was a while ago, and uh, somebody said, "Do you want to play this game where you pretend to be somebody? In like you pretend to be a, a wizard, or you pretend to be a fighter, and then you go yeah. out and do adventures." And I said, "Yes, it sounds great." So we played one campaign. Um, we solved problems in very unusual ways in our group. Uh, we met a group of kobolds, and we had to come up with a distraction. So we all got naked. <laughs> not the first time that's happened in one of my games but uh <laughs> yeah um sorry or rather not the last time that's happened in one of our games but yeah um we solved our problems in interesting ways we had a great time and i realized this, this was absolutely something that i i wanted to keep doing but then i moved mm. to school so um yeah i stopped for a bit and then when i met my now husband demetrius who is the other half of the world anvil core team and the other founder um, you know, he said, oh, I do this thing called role-playing and my eyes lit up and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I I, I found this again in my life. And so, yeah. yeah, it was a real like renaissance of fun for me to, to, to refine that in my adult years. So what tips do you have for someone who's sort of maybe thinking about coming back to the role-playing hobby? Do it. You got any tips? Just do it. Do it. That that My first tip it's put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and go do it. Um, if you can't find people in your area, 
Uh, RPG Table Finder is a website where you can go and find games. You can play mm-hmm. online. There are loads of people who play online. It, it is absolutely possible these days. You don't need a fancy webcam. You don't need a fancy microphone. Just jump in, get started, find a way. Um, and again, like I hate to plug my own product, but um, World Anvil has just released a campaign manager that makes it really, really, really to organize, easy to organize your stuff. Uh, to organize your character sheet, for uh, game masters to organize their games. So it actually speeds up a lot of the... Do you remember I was saying that like my problem is always I don't have time? It speeds all of that stuff yeah. up. So go make a character, go find a game, not necessarily in that order, and just jump in. Be brave, and you will be happy. You will be glad that you did it. Thank you. So come on in. What on earth is World Anvil? Okay, so um, World Anvil is the biggest present I ever got. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I was trying to write my first epic fantasy novel in 2017, and I was failing miserably because epic fantasy is a really big genre with lots of world building. And I am a a somewhat busy and somewhat disorganized person. So I had world building notes on the back of opera arias. I had world building notes like written in notebooks, which I would then lose. And then I had mm-hmm. like stuff everywhere. And then I had the Google document from hell with 35 pages just on the <laughs> religions and then a hundred pages on the different uh, species in my world. It was impossible. I could not organize my notes and it was stopping me from writing this book. It sounds very familiar. <laughs> I have subsequently finished the right. book, in fact. Um, but uh, yeah, and Demetrius was like, oh, well, I see you're struggling. Let me make you a thing that will help you. And that's where World Anvil came from. Okay. So it was it was a gift for me to help me organize my world building. And he's got a, a friend of his who had similar problems with his campaigns where he would write stuff, but he had trouble organizing it. And then he would he would lose notes and then he would not have his his materials to hand. So he made it really for his best for me and then for his best buddy. And we started it as like as a hobby project. And then it just became massive. So essentially what it is right now is a world building wiki on steroids is the easiest way to describe (laughs) it. It's got templates in it that will prompt your world building. It will give you inspiration. It's completely system agnostic. It's completely genre agnostic. So whatever you're writing, whatever you're playing, it will help you. And it's got a campaign manager attached. So for RPG players, for RPG game masters, it's it's perfect. You can pull in all the homebrew stuff from the Wild Amble side into the Heroes side and run your game completely homebrew. It's got access to all of the SRD of all the major systems and then all of your own stat blocks. And if you want to create a new system, you can do that on World Anvil as well. Wow. There's quite a lot of stuff then, to be fair. It is a lot of stuff. And that is before we do the writer's update, which is coming later this year. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think makes it different from other sort of world building tools? I mean, I'm thinking about things I've I've backed in the past, things like Realmworks, um, for example, from uh, Wolf Lair. What do you think makes World Anvil really stand out? I think partly as a tool, one of the things that makes it stand out is its immense flexibility. Mm. You, re- you can do anything with it, and we've seen people do anything with it. The tools are so flexible. But the other thing is the, um, the advanced sharing options. So we now have publishing houses publishing with World Anvil. 
We now have um, professional GMs using it for living worlds. We have professional writers using it to create um, Patreon access for special special things that they want only their Patreons to see and public access to advertise their book and private access to do their world building. And we see GMs using it. We see people publishing adventure modules using it. Um, it really, it's a professional tool as well as a tool to run your games. And that's where it differs from other things because we always set out, we always believed that people who do world building, that people who create RPG adventure modules, that people who, who are creative and create beautiful things should be paid for their work and should be recognized for their work. Mm. And that was really always the, the concept behind World Anvil. And now I feel vaguely intimidated by it. <laughs> You mustn't. It really, um, it really is for everybody at all levels. And again, when we when we made the subscription service as well, because we started out with Patreon. As I said, it was a hobby. We never expected it to become this big. We're now at three hundred thousand members, and uh, yeah, we so you know we we tier them. We call it the guild, the World Builders Guild, because community is so important to us. We feel like these are the the master world builders of our community. So we have the journeyman at the bottom. If all you want to do is is build on your own level and just build something fun and have a few extra perks, then that is for you. You can run your game with a journeyman membership, not a problem. And then we have uh, people publishing board games. We have one very big board game, one very big computer game company that I am not allowed to tell you who they are yet because I'm under NDA using it as well. Um, so we have the full scope. We have, you know, from happy amateurs to rigorous professionals. And it's a free entry point. Right? It is a free entry point. That's right. That was the other thing that was very important to us is that if you want to world build and you don't have the funds to pay for a service, then you should be able to get a world building tool for free. All the world building functionality, all the basic world building functionality that you need to build a world is free. And for me and Demetrius especially, that was really important for students, for people just starting out. I know for a fact that we have, I got an email the other day from an 11 year old girl who said that she's writing her first book using World Anvil. And that's wow. really touching to me. That's that's beautiful. And that's what happens when you leave basic functionality open for free. That's got to feel good, hasn't it? The 11-year-old. I mean, the circle is complete for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, to know that I am helping the next generation with their creativity, mm. that's that's really powerful for me. And, you know, I kind of wish I had World Anvil when I was 11 because I wrote a lot of stuff when I was 11. I wrote a book. And I lost it. But if I had World Anvil, I wouldn't have done. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, if you're starting out setting up and building your own world as GM, what does World Anvil do that will actually, you know, really improve your play experience? Can you give us some kind of example? Yeah, absolutely. So it depends on terms of the world building. It depends how rigorous you want to go. So if you're doing a, a homebrew of a pre-existing setting, you can just draft out the things that are different. And it's really easy. If you want to create your own race, you can pull out one of the um, one of the species templates and mm -hmm. it's full of prompts. It's full of things like, what is what are the physical features of this race? What are the standard naming systems? All of these things, it will prompt you through. So as you're going through, you won't realize, you know, three three sessions in that you've actually forgotten something really important. It will take you through the creation process as you go through, but you don't need to fill in everything. Um, and this prompting system, time and time again, when we get feedback, this is what people tell us. This is this is inspiring for people. It helps people create and it helps people create quickly. 
Yeah. Um, and then once you have those bits and bobs, you just pull them into the campaign manager and off you go. Yeah, I find, I mean, I, I um, as you know, signed up recently and um, I've just been fiddling around and really just towing the water, probably a little tow, you know, teeny bit. Um, sure. But one of the things I liked, I was uh, just doing a settlement and I noticed as I got down to, I think it was, a, and I was doing a country or something and putting that in. And I got to the bottom of this and one of the prompts was, what do the people in this country call themselves? think it was something along those lines you know so um you know if it's britain obviously we put british in there um i liked those little touches those little prompts i think for me they made me think about this more as a a real and living thing um is that something that you sort of deliberately try to encourage yeah absolutely um dimitri and i sat down very carefully and went through everything that should be contained when you're creating, for example, a settlement, like what kind of things do you need to think about? What kind of things are going to be important in game and what kind of things are going to give it flavor? Mm. And with some of the later templates, once we got started, we we outsourced to the community as well. So we had a basic idea and then we asked the community what should be in this template. So we had, I mean, we have 10,000 people on our Discord. So mm. uh, I think at the last one we did, we had 8,000 people on uh, weighing in on what they would like in this template. So they're pretty complete and it's absolutely supposed to be inspiring. It's absolutely supposed to make you think about those little details that make things feel real. Mm. And in a way, that's that's what world building is. I mean, yes, it's maps and yes, it's timelines. But at the end of the day, it's creating a setting Mm. that makes makes you believe that you are where you are. And you just launched something called Heroes. Oh, yeah. So, um, Go on, tell us about that. <laughs> so Heroes is something completely new. Um, we Obviously, it is a campaign manager. That's not new. And it integrates with World Anvil. It integrates with your the world that you've built in World Anvil. Mm-hmm. But what we tried to do is create something that the players could use as well. Because a lot of campaign managers, they serve beautifully the, the GMs. Yeah. But they don't serve well the players. So we thought, well, what do you want as a player and what do you need as a player? And one of the things that we we saw time and time again, you need your character sheet, you need your equipment, you need all of those, all of that grit stuff. Yeah. And you want some so I mean, the terms grit and fluff are, are I think quite <laughs> ubiquitous within the RPG world, but grit is the statistics and fluff is the the character background, the way they look, all of these things. Yeah. Um so obviously we wanted to provide both grit and fluff, but we wanted to help characters build their voice as well. And one of the ways that people do this is via things like in-character Twitter accounts. But you know, I was talking to Jason Massey from Dungeons and Randomness the other day. He said he ended up with like 15 in-character Twitter accounts and he just could not keep track of them. It was impossible. It was clunky. We've created a social media platform for characters. Okay. So they can interact. They can post things in their stream. Funnily enough, I've been using this again for the stream that I'm doing on on Saturday to really find my character's voice, Mm. to think about the way she interacts with her other characters, both in action and in downtime. And the kind of things that amuse her, the kind of things that she spends her time doing. You know, what would she post? Mm. And that's really helped me gain this character voice. The other thing that it's got, which I think is super valuable for all of the streamers and all of the um, podcasters out there, is it has an audience screen. 
So as you're playing, the GM can curate what the audience can see. They can see all the all the in-game character statistics, so they can see hit points and this kind of thing. Mm. But they can also see images, they can see maps, and they can see the dice rolls as well. So it's a real interactive spirit experience for the players and for the audience, as well as being very straightforward and making the GM side really easy, which, you know, if you speak to a GM, they'll they'll tell you, I just I just want it to be easy and quick so I can focus <laughs> on my storytelling. So that's what we tried to do. I noticed it had a journal feature as well where people could write more extended articles. Yep. Um, that's my fault. <laughs> okay. I thought it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the things that um, Demetrius has always enjoyed when we play together is that I do write these in-character journals because he, st- he sees the story from a different perspective. Yeah. And he also sees the character develop between sessions. Um, so it's something that we really wanted to do. It's something that we had in the old system that was a kind of, I would say, a, a proto version of what we have now, right. um, which, which was the ability to, for, for characters to write journals and for them to be attached to a session, not to a character. Yeah. And we saw it used a hell of a lot. People really enjoyed it and people really made use of it. So we were like, well, it needs to be in the new thing then. I'm a little bit sort of at sea here. I seem to have a vast amount of tools available pretty much for free via World Anvil. Yeah. Uh, Where on earth do you start? It depends who you are and what you want to do. As a player, start by creating a character on Heroes. Mm -hmm. That's where you want to be. You don't need to worry about the world building side. That's the GM's business. Go to Heroes, create a character and start getting into voice. And can you then kind of connect yourself to a GM's world? Yep. You know, you build a character and then sort of, hey, I'm over here. And then they can kind of pick you and put you in their world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They can connect you to the world, but the character always remains yours. And am I right that the different um, GMs can have like multiple campaigns in the same world, which are, yeah. again, separately there? The campaign manager, as I understand it, it allows you to plan sessions a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we do differently to most other campaign managers is that you have a world that you set your campaigns in rather Mm. than having a campaign that has a world attached to it, right? Yeah, Yeah. So what that means is that you can have multiple campaigns. And then, for example, your previous campaign can become canon. It can become history for the next campaign that you do, whether that's, you know, uh, the heroes return the children, the children of the previous ones, or whether that's three hundred years in the future and your previous characters have become legends or even gods. Um, and yes, you're absolutely right. There is functionality. You can message your players. You can set session times, and you can go live with your sessions. Um, to answer your question of where to start from the GM's perspective, start by building your world. And often for most GMs, the easiest way for that is to upload a map and start figuring out the geography, start Mm. figuring out the important places. And on World Anvil, what that means is you upload your map and then you just start dropping pins in Google Maps style and writing little notes on them. And then some of those notes will become articles. And then some of those place articles will have people attached to them because, you know, you've got to have a mayor and you've got to have a founder. And, you know, maybe you have two or three NPCs like the guy that um, the guy that lives in the lives in the uh, tavern and tends the bar. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're world building. You didn't even know that you were, but it all spawns off from itself. So for GMs, I always think the best part 
the best place to start. And I know that other people have different ideas about this. But for me, as a GM, the best place to start is the map. And just to start spawning off and seeing where your imagination takes you. Yeah, I found um, a lot of time with a lot of tools online, what I'm trying to do is take something I already have, you know, like I have my world I've been playing with for a while and I have all these binders you talked earlier about, you know, binders full of notes oh, yeah. and weird documents everywhere and all of that sort of stuff. And to me, the the scary thing has always been the whole transference of that information into the tool. Um, one of the things that I found attractive about World Anvil is it seems to do a lot of cross-referencing for you. Is that yeah. the case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, both are both cross-referencing automatically by, for example, if you're in a settlement, you can choose uh, the power that owns the settlement. You can choose the organization, so the country that the mm. settlement is in. You can choose the geographic location, and that will automatically appear on the article for you and cross-link those articles within the system. But also the mention system is super easy. So you write the at and then three letters, mm -hmm. and it mentions an article that you've already written. And if you haven't written the article yet, you can either quick generate it with the with the pop-up button, or you can create a placeholder. And that placeholder will go in your to-do list so you know you still have to write it. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it's a prompting thing, isn't it? It's kind of... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what we've tried to do is just make it really quick and easy, whether you're transferring things in, or whether you are, um, whether you are starting from scratch and building from scratch on World Anvil. Um, so yeah, I mean, interconnectivity is absolutely massively important for these kinds of these kinds of worlds because you know everything is connected and you need that to be represented. And that's the problem with things like a free form Google document or even things like OneNote, where you have you know your book with your parts with your pages. Like it's very nice; it looks very organized, and then suddenly you don't know where anything is, and you want to you want to link things up, and you can't do it. And that's where something like World Anvil really shines. What I would say for transcription, by the way, this is always my advice, is if you have things written on hard paper and you want to get them into World Anvil, spend a little bit of time with text to speech, or sorry, speech to text software. Mm -hmm. Just read them out, get them in written form and just put them straight in World Anvil. It is the quickest way. Okay, so you're getting something like Otter, for example, and doing your speaking in, it'll print, it'll do it for you, and then you just yeah. cut and paste that across. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's way quicker than trying to type it all out. It will make your life so much easier. A question just popped into my head a minute ago and then disappeared again, which is always the way it goes when we're having a conversation. Oh yeah. Um, I was kind of musing about, you know, as a as a creative, yeah, this is it. The thing about weather, hmm, I've been uh, struggling recently, you know, as a GM, you know, there's lots of games I own, I mean, a few hundred, um, and many, many, many things I'd like to play. And I think one of the things that's happened to me over time, and it happens to a lot of games, I think, is you kind of get into playing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, looking at World Anvil and starting to play with it, I think it, I feel as though it encourages you to develop something meaningful bigger you know maybe something a little bit long more long term is that something you've observed you know with the creators using it yes and no we see a lot of people creating several projects before they find their project hmm. if you see what i mean so yeah. i see you know somebody will create one two three test worlds 
or one, two, three ideas worlds, and then they'll find something that really catches their attention. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about World Anvil is that, you know, once you have your world setting, you can create as much of, or as little of that as you like. Uh, we, we found somebody the other day who had 10,000 articles on their world. Um, yeah. we, we were completely shocked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it means that you can try things on and just explore. So, yeah, if you want to run a one shot in a sci-fi world, I would say you could create, I don't know, the 10 articles you might need for a sci-fi world in an hour on World Anvil. Easy mm. peasy. Um, throw them into the campaign manager, run your sci-fi one shot, complete with the plot at your fingers and all of the soundtracks pinned in from URLs, all of that stuff, super easy, into the campaign manager. Um, run your one shot. And then if you want to run it again some other time, it's there. And otherwise, you have a record of that one shot and how the characters experienced it and mm. what the plot was and your own session notes and all these things. But that doesn't mean that you can't run a you know a 12-year-long game. We have one GM called Arcadum who's running a game with 200 players. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's a professional GM. He uses World Anvil as a professional tool. And uh, he has a world he's been building for years, and he uses it for that. And it, it absolutely makes sense. But there's no reason why you can't use it for a one-shot. I have. And it's available, really, because it's an online website-based thing, isn't it, rather than an app you download. So yeah. um, I was, um, the other day, uh, just at the school group that I run, uh, I'm a teacher too, um, yeah. and, um, you know, I kind of think, damn, I've not got my laptop, and then pulled out my iPad. Um, and actually, I think at one point, I even pulled out my iPhone as something to look something up on my, you know, on my notes. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a great convenience, I suppose. Yeah, so we will be rela- releasing uh, an offline app at some point for mm. mobile devices exclusively. It will be World Anvil Lite. So you will have limited access to write. And really what we imagine it being is a like a note-taking device almost. So you go into a museum and you see something that inspires you. You take a picture, you write a quick note. You might even write you know, the vignette of an article. Yeah. It's not going to have massive functionality, but it will enable, enable you to do that offline and then sync it up to your world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I used to sit in the green room of the place where I was performing, because as I mentioned, I'm an opera singer as well. And I would have my iPad open in front of me writing. And then on my phone, I would have World Anvil with my whole world codex so that when I was writing, I could just check things out on the codex as I was going. Mm. It, it's it like the functionality is extraordinary it really does work on a mobile it really is fine um and you can write articles as well i used to write articles going to work you got a number one tip for new game masters from their world building uh yes actually and this comes from the mistress of maps devon rue who i interviewed the other day and this was the best tip i'd ever heard show your characters the size of map that they need to know right now and that you have done the world building for. So don't show your characters the world map. Show them the map that they need to know. I thought this was the best piece of advice I had ever heard. And as somebody... So I started a game with Demetrius at one point. I was GMing and he was playing. And I I, I prepared all of this really cool urban intrigue within the city that he was in. And then it was he looked at my map and he was like, I want to go over there. <laughs> and after the swearing had stopped, uh, <laughs> I realized the crucial error I had made, which was that I told him 
all about my world and I told him all the bits. He didn't need to know that yet. He could have gone there in four sessions. That's fine. But I'd prepared something else. Um, so for me, that was that was a crucial, a crucially useful piece of advice for starting out players. Don't make your scope too big and only show your players what the scope is. That doesn't mean you can't create the whole world. That doesn't mean you can't have ideas about the whole world. But obviously you can't create the whole world at the same time. Nobody wants to get world builder syndrome. Nobody wants to become Tolkien. Um, <laughs> like it's it's not it's not a good place to go as a world builder. Uh, I've referenced it on the YouTube channel a lot. We call it world builder's disease. And yeah. it's just this, this inability to stop world building. Um, so yeah, defining <laughs> your scope and showing your players that scope clearly with a map is going to mean that they're not going to run off to the other continent while you're trying to get them to have an urban adventure. And I speak from painful experience on this. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm starting a new game right now and um, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I've got, a, got the little oversized village, I suppose, the fort. And what you're suggesting there really is like show them that map, let them poke around there for a while. And, and then when they're ready, show them the local area map, you know, and then so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that doesn't mean you can't tell them what else is around. But mm. um, the other thing is that uh, don't just show them the scope, link them to the scope. So create things that their characters will care about. Something uh, Guy Sklandris, that's this is um guy from How to Be a Great GM channel, talks about. Uh, he released a book recently, which I edited, and it's a fantastic book. Um, and in that, he talks about NPCs roles so their role as a mentor their role as a friend their role as a cheerleader their role as an adversary and by using npcs like this and npcs often are tied to locations um you can involve the players with their struggles so if your if one of your player characters has an npc brother use that use that to create drama that will tie them to the location you want them to be in mm. at least for a little bit and they will engage with that because their character will care Good advice. So we've covered, let's think now, we've covered World Anvil. We've talked about heroes. Yeah. And you even mentioned that you're going to be um, playing some Dungeons and Dragons, you know, live on a show. Oh, yeah. What are the wondrous things are ahead for a World Anvil? Well, we have um, the writer's update coming, which I am very excited about. I can't let you know too much about that yet because we haven't... Uh, a, we haven't finalised things, and B, we have become cautious about sharing too many things of what we are doing in advance, because there has been a certain amount of feature poaching. Um, I shall say no more than that. But uh, yeah, we like to keep things under our belt now. We've we've learned because we're we're very open people. Demetrius is Greek. I have dubious national heritage but um we're both very open we're both very you know sharing and caring and overly overly familiar and lovey and that means that we get very excited about the things and we want to share them and uh it's not always in our own best interests so we've learned to be a little bit guarded about this it's been a big learning curve world anvil for us um so the scribes update is one thing that's really really going to help authors in particular but will have some functionality that i think will be valuable for gms as well and something that I can't tell you too much about right now again, but if you go to project-deos.com, you will see that World Anvil is working with Dungeon Fog and with Guy the Great GM and with Blue Sword Games 
to create something very, very, very cool that I am so excited about. And I am not allowed to tell you more about it yet, but you can already read a little bit and it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so if you would like to learn more about that, that is the other thing that we have. Um, project Deus is a code name. Uh, we will be launching the project in July. Um, and we will we already have some information up online. There's a little bit of a scavenger hunt where you can go and um, go and add clues into the website to get more information. And more things will be revealed week by week as we get closer and closer to our launch date. So that should be incredible. And all I can tell you about the project is that I want it now and I wish it was done because <laughs> I want to use it. There's another way with all good projects. I know, right? <laughs> So with all this stuff going on, uh, how on earth do you keep yourself kind of, I don't know, sane? <laughs> There's a lot of presumptions in that question. There is. <laughs> so um, it is a struggle. And right now, for example, I mentioned that we're in this this like crazy time where Heroes is just coming out. It's being released to the public on Friday. My, my big debut stream... Oh, it's coming on Saturday and um, yeah, it's it's all systems go right now. But there are, Demetrius and I try and take two days off a week. Granted, one of them has a live stream in it, but it's technically a day off. <laughs> um, and we try to switch off. Um, it's very hard when your passion is always your job. So they say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That is incorrect. Do what you love. You will fill every single freaking minute of your life <laughs> doing what you love. It will, it will invade your dreams. It will take your every waking moment. And yes, it will be satisfying, but learn to turn your brain off. It's hard. And this is something that I'm still learning. I will say that. Um, it is a challenge. So it's been about, um, am I right in saying it's about 370 days or something since you put World Anvil live or something stupid like that? Yeah, it's about 18 months. Demetrius just did a tweet about this yesterday mm. um, because we, we hit 10,000 on the Discord, which is like our core hyperactive, not hyperactive, but hyperactive community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got to be careful with my phrasing. Um yeah, 18 months, essentially. It's been 18 months. And uh, it's not very long for thirty-three for 300,000 people to be using World Anvil. No, it's impressive. A big increase. And people have really embraced it, which is mm. incredible. Our community is amazing. And we ran um, NaNoWriMo events. We run a December competition, a world-building challenge, essentially, to write 10,000 words of world building, which mm. doesn't sound like a lot, but is more than you would think. Um, because world building is not usually as verbose as prose. Yeah. And um, we run a summer challenge in July, which we call Summer Camp, which is 30 world building prompts in 30 days. And for every single event that we run, when we ask for feedback, what people say is the community. The community is why I'm here. The community through the challenge, I would go on Discord and say, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard day. I haven't managed to write yet, or I've only written a little bit. And everybody cheerleads, everybody helps, everybody 
gives you ideas if you're looking for them. They help you work out problems if you have them. They they send you the way of inspiration if you need it. They are so supportive. And um, that's why we grew as we did, because our community spread the word, because they love world building and they're passionate and it's beautiful. Like it's it wouldn't have been possible without them. It really is interesting how you find out about World Well, at least for me. It was a throwaway retweeted comment on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, but what was interesting is, you know, you kind of go, tell me a bit more about that. And, um, yeah, then it gets kind of amazing what people say. Um, and I think that you're right. You have um, a particularly unique community or slice of the hobby community um, who are passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, we really do. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't ask for better, you know, we couldn't ask for better people. We couldn't ask for a better community. We are we are so lucky. And, you know, people just they just want to see World Anvil grow because they want it for their own projects, but they also support our ideals, mine and Dimitri's ideals of, you know, world building is for everyone. Professional world builders should have the tools they need amateur world builders or you know hobbyist world builders should have the tools that they need you know and that's that's amazing anyway i'm gushing so i'm sorry about that (laughs) fine i think we're coming to an end anyway um i wanted to say thank you i also just wanted to ask do you have any last things that you wanted to say to you know people coming back to the role-playing hobby or who are sitting on the edge of having a go at this whole world building thing anything at all that you would like to finish on Definitely. Um, World building is the most fun that you can have by yourself. (laughs) And I would argue that RPG is exactly what you want it to be, whatever that is. Is it hanging out with friends? Is it, you know, free therapy? Is it a great time? Is it a, a creative endeavor? Is it escapism? Yes, it's whatever you want it to be. So whatever you're looking for in your life, if you're interested in RPG, Stop waiting and go jump in because whatever it is you are looking for, you will find it in the hobby. Thank you, Janet. It's been brilliant talking to you. It's been absolutely thrilling and so fun. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, I will absolutely continue to try and build this world. (laughs) I cannot wait to see it. Make sure you share it with us. Thank you, Janet. All the best. Thank you so much. Hey Che, am I hearing right? Escaping the grind? Your least listened to episode? Boy, is my finger not on the pulse. Um, please keep up the philosophy, even if it is just for me. Oh, and uh, just one more thing. Um, I love those rousing speeches that you do, uh, that you immediately dismiss as waffle. You're a man after my own heart. Oh, what was that? I think I just pulled my first Jackson. <laughs> the awesome free thrall there. Lovely call-ins, mate. Thanks so much for that. Made me laugh. I've got some sausages on the go here and I get a notification message in your box. Fantastic. Thanks for pulling a Jackson. That was awesome. And yeah, don't worry. I'll keep philosophizing. It's in my nature. It's what I do for a living after all um no no fear I'm not going to stop doing them but you know I don't think many people listen to them 
But hey, if even one is, and if that's you, dude, well, you know, going to keep going, aren't I? No problem at all, mate. Again, thanks for calling in. Great to hear from you. All the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Roleplay Rescue. I hope you enjoyed it. Huge thanks to Janet Forbes from World Anvil for coming to speak to us. I hope you found her as inspiring as I did. Thank you also to the amazing Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through their generous donations and encouraging words. On that note, a big welcome to our latest patron, the brave shield bearer, Aaron Barkley. Thank you. And thank you too, the listener, for grabbing this episode and giving it a listen. Without you guys catching the podcast, there really wouldn't be any point in my doing it. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, remember you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor Mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. You can also drop comments onto the Roleplay Rescue pages on MeWe or even Facebook. I'm Che Webster. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode of Roleplay Rescue. Game on.